On today's Dinging Corners, we are going to be talking about a little update about Topps Chrome. I think it's very interesting. I hope you guys think it's very interesting. And then later on in the podcast, we've got a great, great interview with the esteemed writer, Christopher Crawford. He's getting into cards. You can follow him on Twitter at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. And he is a great interview. And I hope you guys all stay, stick around for that interview. There's a ton of good information. He's a really big prospect guy. So I hope you guys all enjoy that. And sit back and enjoy today's Dinging Corners. Welcome, everyone, to Dinging Corners, a baseball podcast powered by Slapstocks. I'm your host, Nate. And today we are going to be talking about a little Tops Chrome versus Tops flagship update. So not top Tops update, but an update on Tops Chrome versus Tops flagship. And that's because if you've been listening to us for the last couple of years, you'll know that people always ask, "What should I buy of Fernando Tatis, or what should I buy of Vlad Guerrero Jr.?" You know anybody? And it's should I buy Tops Chrome or should I buy Tops flagship? And my answer was always. You can't go wrong either way, but if I'm looking at the two markets, the Topps Chrome was much uh, less expensive, and so I was like, that's a value play there, where if you buy that and people's preferences shift in the future, you're doing well, um, but either way, you can't go wrong. So we're going to look at that today, and then on the second part of the podcast, we've got the interview that I talked about in the intro. We're going to Fernando Tatis, so we looked up Fernando Tatis. Junior Tops Chrome Rookie PSA 10 minus out some things so we wouldn't see it. And look what we're looking at: 375 bucks, 105 dollars for a non-graded uh, Fernando Tatis. Three, excuse me, 360 bucks, 360 bucks. Um, so you know we're looking at let's say 370 on average, 370 for a Fernando Tatis Tops Chrome Rookie PSA 10. Now let's look at the Fernando Tatis Top Series 2, and you've got 255. 250, 250. Uh, this one went for 290, but that's absurdly high because the one the day before went for $240. And so uh, if you're looking at Fernando Tatis, we said 370 for a PSA 10 for Tops Chrome. And now we're looking at 250 for a flagship uh, Top Series 2 rookie PSA 10. That is a $120 difference right there between these two cards. If you go to PSA and look up Fernando Tatis under 2019 Tops uh, Baseball, you get this. And it is 11,323 PSA 10s, 11,000 to shorten it up, and we'll round up to 18,000 total graded cards. Obviously, it's not. If you're looking at the video, you can see that it's 17,621. But for ease, we'll round down and round up. So 11,000 PSA 10s and 18,000 total cards. That is well over, uh, you know, half PSA 10s. Pretty easy PSA 10 right there, but still 5,543 PSA 9s. So um, not the easiest grade in the world, but not the hardest either. Now, if we go on to Topps Chrome, you're looking at here, and you've got 6,000 PSA 10s out of a grand total of 8,000 graded. That is a way easier PSA 10 grade to get than the top series two. The difference is obviously that we had 12,000 or 11,000 PSA 10s for top series two, and we have 6,000 PSA 10s for tops Chrome. Clearly tops Chrome was produced less. 
um, people would have these sent in. I have two currently at PSA. So hopefully that PSA 10 number will go up from 6,033 to 6,035. That being said, um, it's an easier PSA 10 to hit. The numbers are lower, but it's an easier PSA 10 to hit. Um, so there, there's a $120 difference there, even though it's easier to hit. But that's only because, and I know I've said easier or easier to hit multiple times, and that gets a little noxious. It's because there's 5,000 less PSA 10. So you're seeing that $120 bump. So let's move on to Juan Soto. And we're looking at Juan Soto Tops Chrome Update PSA 10s. And we're looking at 480 uh, on February 10th, February 9th, 500. February 9th, 500. Um, February 9th, $485. So let's say it's $490 for a Topps Chrome Update PSA 10 of Juan Soto. Now, if we go to the Topps Update PSA 10, uh, Topps flagship card, we're looking at 330 right there on February 10th. On February 10th or February 9th, we're looking at 350. Um, a lot was bought for 650, so we're looking at 325 a card right there. Um, so a little bit lower, but let's make it easy and let's say 340. Uh, just uh, you know, that's not really accurate. It's probably a little bit lower than that per card, but let's say 340 for a Tops Update PSA 10, as opposed to 480 for a Tops Chrome Update PSA 10, and that is a hundred and thirty dollar difference or $140 difference. I don't remember what the number I said was. Now let's look at their PSA pop reports and we get this. So Juan Soto US 300, PSA 10s 15,636, 5,676 PSA 9s. 900 PSA 8s, that's a lot of PSA 8s and 170 PSA 7s, that's a lot of PSA 7s. Um, but 15,636 PSA 10s, that's an astronomical number of cards. And it's just going to keep going up. If you ripped any uh, top series one, which I happened to find at Walmart today, they actually started limiting how many you can buy per customer. So guys couldn't go in and just buy everything. Um, you know, that number for like a Joe Adele is probably going to be well over 15,000 because there's going to be so many Joe Adele cards out there. But for right now, we've got 15,636 PSA 10s for Juan Soto. Um, you're basically looking at three to one chances of getting a PSA 10 to a PSA 9 if you have one of those. Now, on the other side, you've got Juan Soto Tops Chrome Update, and that's right here, HMT 55, and you're looking at 8,537 PSA 10s as opposed to only 738 PSA 9s. So there is not even 1,000 PSA 9s out there, but there is 8,500 PSA 10s. So it is way way easier to hit a PSA 10 than it is a PSA 9 for Topps Chrome, clearly from just this Fernando Tatis and Juan Soto example. And yet, because there is 7,000 less PSA 10s than the Topps flagship, it doesn't matter that it's easier to hit. There's still going to be a big dollar difference, and you're looking at $140 difference between Juan Soto's Topps Update and Juan Soto's Topps Chrome Update PSA 10s. Um, so $130 difference for Fernando Tatis, $140 difference for Juan Soto. Um, and those numbers might be off because my memory of what those prices were just five minutes ago is probably off. So that's interesting. Uh, despite the easier PSA 10 hit rate, because of the significantly lower amount of cards, in this case, 
like 7,000 and 6,000 for the Fernando Tatis and, or the Juan Soto and the Fernando Tatis respectively, um, you're seeing significantly higher prices, $100 plus difference in prices. Now, this is where it gets super interesting. And I find this to be one of the more interesting things in the entire market. Um, so these are explainable because of PSA reports. The PSA 10 is easier to hit, but because of the pop report, it makes sense that the prices are different. This is going to be super interesting, I think, for you guys, and it's super interesting for me, and that is Vlad Guerrero Jr. So we are looking at Vlad Guerrero Jr., Topps Chrome rookie PSA 10. Now, you'll remember that Vlad has the Top Series 2 short print. He has Topps Chrome. He has Topps Update cards, and he has Topps Chrome Update. So he has a bunch of cards to choose from, which I would imagine would drive the price down on his market for some of these cards. And yet we're looking at it, and we've got new listing, February 10th, $130 for a Topps Chrome PSA 10. $150 for a Topps Chrome PSA 10 on February 10th. Uh, February, oh no, I clicked the wrong thing. Ah. On February 10th, again, we're looking at $120, um, $135 on February 9th, the last one on bids, $150 on February 9th, the last one on bids. So let's go in the middle and say $140 between these two bids. So $140 for a Topps Chrome Update PSA 10. I mean, not Topps Chrome Update, Topps Chrome PSA 10 for Vlad Guerrero Jr. Now, his Top Series 2 short print, which was reportedly five per case um, for what you were buying, I, I think it's five per case for anything. So a case of blasters or a case of hobby boxes or a case of jumbo boxes, you're going to get five. Do not quote me on that. I don't know if it's true, but we're talking $140 for the Topps Chrome update or Topps Chrome PSA 10, not Topps Chrome update, Topps Chrome PSA 10 for Vlad Guerrero Jr. Well, look at this, $165 for a Top Series 2 on February 9th. Um, if we look at the fine price on this one, $152.99, $153 on February 9th. We'll round it up to $155. So $165, $155. On February 8th, $170. February 8th, $170. February 8th, $175. Um, so these ones have actually gone down a little bit in price. Uh, they got all the way up to like the 190s. But Let's go with the most recent prices. So 165, 155, 170 twice. So let's meet in the middle and say 165. 165 bucks here. And this Flag Guerrero Jr. is 100, meet in the middle, say 140. That's a $25 difference between a Topps Chrome PSA 10 and a short print. We're talking like Ronald Lacuna bat down, a little bit more populated than that, but still similar concept. And $165 that for that $25 difference between those two. And yet, if we look up the pop reports, there are 3,683 PSA 10s for the non-numbered short print top series two Vlad Guerrero Jr. 3,683, 2,916 PSA 9s. So we're a little bit over 50% hit rate on the PSA 10, um, but not by much. And there's not many, right? 3,683. Uh, out of 7,154 total, that's the real number I should be taking. We're barely over 50% there on PSA 10s, and there's not a big number there, 3,683. Now, if we go to the Topps Chrome numbers, we've got 4,148 total PSA 10s out of 5,140 total and 933 PSA 9s. You can see that on my screen right now if you're following along. 
So yes, there is a thousand more Topps Chrome PSA 10s. Not even. There's 500 more Topps Chrome PSA 10s than there are Top Series 2. But Top Series 2 is way more rare um, of a card, supposedly. Five per case, whereas there should have been more Vlad Guerrero's. And yet we're looking 7,154 cards as opposed to 5,140 cards. And so you'd expect, I would have expected anyways, you know, there's more PSA 10s, less cards graded. I would have expected this card to be worth way more than $25 more. It's the only card where the price is higher than the Topps Chrome on this list. But I would expect it to be way more because it's quote-unquote a short print, whereas his Topps Chrome is not a short print. And so why this is happening, um, why the short print, you know, if this was just a regular print, it would be way less, right? The prices would match up with these. But it doesn't because of the short print, and yet it's only a $25 difference. That's outrageous to me. Of course, the real reason is probably this number over here, 5,140 total graded, as opposed to 7,154 total graded. But this is a much harder hit, PSA 10. There's fewer PSA 10s. You would think the price would be astronomically higher. And not only that, but a lot more people are going to be sending in their PSA 10s. If it's a hundred uh, and dollars $130, $140 card, people are going to be sending in their in their Vlad Guerrero's, which they might not have been sending in before because it was a little bit of a disappointment in the last two years. So that's where it gets really interesting. Fernando Tatis, Topps Chrome, way more expensive. PSA 10 is way, the pop report is way less than the Series 2. Juan Soto, Topps Chrome update, way more expensive. PSA 10 pop report, way less uh, than the Topps update for Juan Soto. Vlad Guerrero Jr., on the other hand, his top series two is more expensive, but the PSA 10 pop report is only 500 less than the Topps Chrome. And it's a short print. So the $25 difference, this is basically, if you're looking at it, if you're looking at the way I'm looking at it, it's basically the same price for me because of the short printness of it. Uh, if not this being a more expensive card because of how much fewer or more fewer Vlagro Series 2 short prints there are supposed to be out there. So I think that's very interesting. Um, Topps Chrome is clearly king. Even in the realm of Topps Series 2 short prints, people are still paying for Topps Chrome right now. And so if you got Topps Chrome cards, I don't care who it is. Pete Alonso, Eloy Jimenez, um, Boba Shett, you know, anybody like that, and you're just kind of sitting on them, not sure what to do, just send them in to get graded. Get them graded and uh, sell them then. Got to get them graded. So that's our little update for the day, our little Topps Chrome update. Now we move on to our interview portion with Christopher Crawford, writer for NBC Edge. It is a new, he was a writer for NBC Roto World. Um, when we did this podcast, he was an M a writer for NBC Roto World. But now, as of today, Wednesday, uh, the 10th of February, as I'm talking about this, it has been changed to NBC Edge. You can find them on Twitter. You can find them on uh, the internet. And he is a writer for them previously of ESPN and uh, Baseball Prospectus. He really knows what he's talking about. It is not a video interview. It's just audio. So sit back, maybe do some homework. Maybe play a video game. Maybe turn it on in the car if you're listening on YouTube or turn it on to a, into, into the podcast to listen to it instead of video. But it is just audio for this. 
We didn't have uh, a working webcam on his end, and that is fine, uh, but is a very good interview. Um, there's a lot to learn for you guys that really love baseball. He is a, a born and bred baseball writer. He knows his stuff. He's really big onto prospects, and I really, really feel lucky to have gotten to talk to him, and I hope you guys all enjoy this interview with Christopher Crawford. All right. Hey, Chris, thank you for joining Dinging Corners today. Um, I know... I have known you for a while because of Twitter, and I follow you on Twitter, and you have a great Twitter account, and I always sometimes wonder, like, uh, if the Seahawks lose or the Mariners lose, how your grandma's doing, <laughs> because uh, a prominent prominent feature on your Twitter is conversations with your grandma and how much she enjoys her Seattle sports. Um, but do you want to give an introduction of yourself? What do you do? Um you know who you are. What do you do for people that don't, you know, follow you on Twitter, so they can understand why you are here today? Sure, absolutely. And uh, Graham, I'll appreciate the shout out. I'll make sure we play at least this portion of it. Uh, name is Chris Crawford. I go by Christopher uh, as my pen name for articles, but you can go ahead and call me Chris. Uh, I work for NBC Sports and Roto World. I do baseball and college football for them, but mostly baseball stuff. I, I do college football recaps and then. Some occasional articles. I've been writing about prospects mostly for the past 10 years, uh, 11 years now, actually. Actually, 12, uh, now that I think about it. 2009 was when I got started. A, a dozen years of doing this. Wow. Uh, but I started at a website called Prospect Insider, uh, moved over to ESPN, did my own things for a little bit, uh, spent a year as the senior prospect writer for Baseball Prospectus, and then moved over to NBC Sports and Rota World, where I've been since 2017. I loved every single second of it. Uh, mostly write about prospects, do a lot of MLB stuff as well now, just because, uh, you know, prospects are still kind of a niche, niche thing, even though they're getting much more popular. I mean, the difference I've seen has been absolutely huge, but uh, do a lot of fantasy stuff, some, some real life stuff. You can't see, but I'm holding up quotations when I say real life. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's just a natural habit for me. But yeah, it's uh, it's something that I've loved doing, and it, it's uh, it's been a, a real treat and an honor to find something that I actually like doing. After many years of doing things that I did not like so much, it, it's it's great, and uh, that's uh, that's pretty much me. The uh, the American dream, being able to write about something you enjoy every day. That's yes, awesome. uh, 100%. it's funny you mentioned you know prospects being a niche industry because or niche uh, in that in the in the card world it's also you know a niche industry inside of a niche industry in that right. people love baseball cards but like tops rookies, tops flagship, tops sure. chrome, tops heritage. Um, and Bo the Bowman market has big money in it, but the people that care about it are significantly fewer. So it's not just out in the real world where people don't care a ton about uh, minor league players. It's it's in the card market, but it is expanding, as I'm sure we will talk about uh, later. So for those of you that are listening to Dingy Corners today, I hope you got a little taste for who Christopher is. Um, obviously he has the credentials, um, that he know he knows what he's talking about. And we are very, uh, honored to get you to be on this podcast today. I know I am for sure. Um, I want to talk a little bit about this off season for a couple minutes in that it's been, it was brutally slow all the way mm -hmm. through like midway through January and then picked up. 
Um, obviously, we had the world's the biggest signing of the offseason today with Colton Wong going to the Brewers uh, at second base. Obviously, when the Cardinals can get Nolan Arenado, you have to do something major to <laughs> combat that. And Colton Wong obviously is that major upgrade we've all been searching for. Now, I kid. I really do like Colton Wong. I think, obviously, it raises the floor of the Brewers. Maybe not the ceiling, but the floor. Uh, Absolutely. Pretty substantially because his second base defense is way better than Keston's. Uh, and he's one of those guys that the Brewers have a ton of high strikeout guys that don't make a ton of contact. Well, he makes a lot of contact and doesn't strike out a ton. And so when we get guys on, he should be a valuable piece to at least put the ball in play, which is something the Brewers have struggled with for a number of years is getting a guy on third with one out and not even being able to get a sack fly to get him in. Sure. Yeah. Those, those are frustrating moments for sure. Yeah. He's a really nice real life piece. I mean, he is a very solid defender at second base. Like you said, uh, Keston Hira is a much better offensive player, uh, but a, a guy that probably profiles better at first base in, mm -hmm. you know, if, in an ideal world, we get the universal DH and maybe you use him in that role as well. But you know, he can definitely help. And it's nice to see it, after that slow off season, it is nice to see that it's starting to uh, the uh, saying that the, the gates are opening is seems a little uh, not accurate to me. It's just, it's just because there still are so many really good players and so many guys that I think had to take below market deals um, outside of George Springer and JT Real Muto. We really haven't seen those big paydays. There was a rumor uh, going around Wednesday afternoon about maybe Marcelo Zuna signing a big deal, but that's uh, been quickly poo-pooed by some other folks. But it, it is nice to see, you know, the trade market has been really interesting this year, but if you take away three teams, it, the trade market isn't nearly as interesting as uh, you might think. But uh, the Padres obviously making a ton of big moves. The Mets well, making a big move. If you take away the Padres, then the trade market goes down by like 25% every single year <laughs> since Seller took off. So. Exactly. Yeah, it's I, as, a, as, a, as a Mariner uh, person who has uh, rooted for them for a long time and because they're grandma's favorite team, I'll continue to hope they do well. You, you lose a little bit to me of fanhood in this industry. Um, you just It just happens. It, it's, it's part of a natural thing where I have to cover so many prospects. It just come, becomes hard to stay a huge fan, but I want grandma to do well. But uh, it, I was used to Jerry DePoto being the uh, Detroit person, the guy who uh, was basically scratching his neck at not being able to make trades. I, I, It's been weird seeing him. I don't think they've made actually a trade this off season. I, I can't think. Oh, wow. Rafael Montero. So he's Are so we sure he's still alive? Yeah, yeah, exactly. If not for the Rafael Montero move, we would be knocking on those doors and doing wellness checks, I think. But uh, yeah, he's uh, the. It's been fun to see the Padres get make some moves, and it was fun to see the White Sox make uh, a not, very nice trade for Lance Lynn. But boy, this offseason was rough. And as somebody who writes about moves for a living, that's one of my primary things. Is uh, doing the blurbs for Roto World uh, about the news, it got real boring there um, for a long time. It was uh, I made many a Twitter thread just begging for MLB transactions, <laughs> and uh, I'm glad that can stop for a little bit. But there's there's still some awfully good players left on the market.
There's only so many times you can write about a minor league deal before it gets uh, old. Uh, 100%. I've got that formatting down pat. I, I have the sign signed to a to a deal with an invitation to spring training. I think I've written that enough that my, my Google's just going to start assuming that's what I'm going to be. I, they're going to ask me, how's it going? Signed to a deal with an invitation to spring training at this point. There's oh. just that many of them. But, uh, yeah, it does get very monotonous sometimes to have to write about those minor league deals. I believe it. Um, do you yeah. have one, one since we don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but one trade in particular that you're like, that was super interesting, whether it's because the return was super light or because of a change of scenery or the return was really big, anything like that? I mean, it's it's super uh, easy to call out, but it's the Nolan Arenado trade. I mean, and it just recently happened, but it, it's impossible not to talk about how light that return is to get to trade one of the best players in baseball, whether he's completely Coors Field or not, and he's not. Uh, defense matters, folks. He is a one of the best defensive players that I've ever seen with my own two eyes. Um, to get that little, and then to be paying for his entire 2021 season. I mean, they're getting a free player in this economy uh, and giving up a back-end starter, a decent third-base prospects, and a couple of relief prospects. And then uh, Mateo Gale is probably a utility infielder at best. I mean, that's just insane. And I do realize that it, I have to be realistic. I'm not naive. The, the market for a player, when he does sign a long-term contract, his trade value drops a little bit, especially one who can opt out at the end of the 21-21 season. Mm-hmm. It's impossible for me to imagine that he's opting out of that deal after what he's seen these last two years. But uh, I guess it is a possibility. But for the Cardinals, it doesn't matter because you're not paying him this year. So, yep. it, it, I mean, that's just – that's one of the most – we saw a lot of trades, I think, that were way too light. The U Darvish trade U Darvish. was way too light. Uh, the uh, the Francisco Lindor trade to me is not even close in terms of the value of what you're getting in a potential MVP candidate. But that Arenado deal, to give up that little and also to get the Rockies to pay for his entire 2021 season, some of it in deferment, sure, but in the end, that money's coming back. I mean, that, that'll stand out to me for a long, long time. As a Brewers fan, I can only hope that he opts out. <laughs> but I just I, I cannot believe... I cannot believe that they traded the face of their franchise. Yep. Got not players, players back, but not any future star by any means. No, absolutely not. And I mean, it's so frustrating that it's Cardinals devil magic, if you ask me. They always <laughs> to turn these Tommy Edmonds and these uh, uh, Jeremy Hazelbakers and uh, who was that shortstop they had a while ago that they got traded to the Blue Jays. Oh, uh, uh, oh gosh, uh, Diaz, but I can't think of his uh, Aldemus Diaz. Is that who we're yeah, talking about? Aldemus Diaz yeah. had one yeah. good year with the Cardinals, yeah. and it's like they always manage to do this. And now they are managing to make other MLB franchises. I was going to say functional MLB franchises, but we know that's not true. Uh, yeah. They're making other MLB franchises give them their best player and pay for it. Uh. It's, 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 it's absolutely baffling. And, you know, for those people who say that uh, the sport is dying, I, I always disagree with that because there's just so much money involved, 
the sport isn't dying, but the sport is trying to harm itself is what I keep telling people. It, it really, it's not dying, but it is that, you know, those videos of the lemmings that are, are walking off the cliff and then somebody has to push them around so that they, uh, they don't actually watch <laughs> over the cliffs. That's kind of ba what baseball is right now is that bird that really wants to go over the cliff, but there's just enough goodness around the sport that gets that bird to uh, turn around. It, it's, it's, I can't lie to you. It's disheartening. Yeah. It, well, yeah. <laughs> one, of these, one of these years we might get a commissioner and we also might get uh, uh, guys that appear on TV to actually like the sport. And then I oh, think things can change, but uh, maybe not anytime soon. All right. No. So you mentioned Chris, that you were a, a Mariners fan, quote unquote, your grandma's a Mariners fan. You want to see him do well, but you obviously you cover so many guys that I'm sure you're pulling sure. for every team. Every team, um, yeah. But let's let's take a moment to pretend you're a Mariners fan still, at sure. least yeah. uh, full fledged. Um, yeah, I, I, because, I'll, yeah. Just I'm sorry to interrupt. I, I I may have oversold. I just want people to know that I'm not uh, a fanatic for. Uh, um, partiality sake there. I don't want anyone thinking I'm over ranking a Mariner prospect or anything like that. Um, but certainly, um, I am a local guy. I have lived in Washington for 30 of my 37 years. I certainly want them to do well. So sorry to interrupt you, but uh, just throwing that part out of there. Okay. Okay. So yeah, <laughs> you're a Mariners fan. Now they have some of the hottest names in the industry for right. prospects for Bowman Cromwell and Kyle Lewis, actually for tops rookies, um, right. who is a guy I did not, he had a really good, obviously end of 2019, but I did not see him having his 2020 that he did. So that was a very nice surprise. Uh, but Julio Rodriguez, Jared Kellenick and Noel V. Marte are the three dudes that everyone loves. Um, two of the guys obviously are probably the best a pairing of prospects you've seen since like Ken Griffey and A-Rod or uh, A-Rod was well after Ken Griffey came up. Um, but you get, you get the point. A pair of young guys. Uh, and so you got Julio Rodriguez, who's Bowman Chrome auto PSA 10 uh, is like 1500 bucks right now. Oh gosh. You've got Jared Kellenick, who's PSA 10 Bowman Chrome auto is about $1,050 right now. Interesting. And then you have Noel V. Marte, who I didn't find a Bowman Chrome Auto, a good comp for a Bowman Chrome Auto uh, recently. And maybe that's on me. Maybe I spelled something wrong here. But uh, a purple, number 250 PSA 10, just sold eight days ago for $725. So significantly less uh, than a base auto from Kellenick or Rodriguez. So they are the three like top guys in the Mariners system from a Bowman Chrome prospect standpoint. Obviously we're not covering, you know, the Logan Gilberts and the Emerson Hancocks of the world. Um, but do you have anything to share with us on those three guys as, you know, somebody that covers prospects for a living? Uh, because I'm sure more uh, people would be very interested in what you had to say about them. Bad or sure, good. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, those are two guys that uh, a spoiler alert, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but those are, two guys that rank in the top 10 of my fantasy prospects, and they are two of the best real-life prospects as well. Uh, Kellenick to me, is a future star because he is a guy who can do a little bit of everything. I have very little doubt that he's going to hit for average. Uh, he's going to steal bases. He's a very smart player to go along with well above average speed. 
Um, a good but not great defender may have to move over to right field or left field at some point, but Mariners have reason to think. Uh, with Kyle Lewis, maybe that too as well could see him, but if he's, defense is not going to be a problem. This is not a future DH. Uh, the power is really coming along as well. It's not hard for me to see this guy being a 300-got hitter, three, 30 homers, 30 stolen base type of guy. And with the Mariners lineup improving, should get a chance to drive in a bunch of runs as well. Um, he's got the higher floor to me. Julio Rodriguez Ooh, outside of Wander Chris, Franco. Yes. Chris, if I can stop you for one second. You forgot the major, the most important thing to Jared Kalenic's game. What's that? He's from Wisconsin. Oh, he is from Wisconsin. That is true. And you know what? I, I hate to say it. But that is one of the reasons why I think he fell to sixth in the draft. There is kind of a stigma against those cold weather hitters. And it's been something that, you know, for every Derek Jeter, there's unfortunately a guy like Nick Plummer uh, or mm -hmm. who's, those are Michigan guys. But uh, Wisconsin Nick was guys a, was a uh, Cardinals draft pick, right? That is correct. First round pick that probably would have gone higher if he would have been uh, from California or from Florida. But there is a stigma against those guys. Uh, but so Kalenic, when he went sixth, you know, it was a little bit of a surprise to me just because those cold weather players, as good as he was in the area code games and stuff uh, and other events, they, they have a stigma against them. So the Mets obviously really liked him. Mets obviously didn't like him enough to not trade him in a trade that is going to go down as uh, a bit of a boo-boo. Uh, I think uh, we may not uh, – when if Brody Van Wagenen ever uh, interviews again for a general manager job, he might just uh, leave that one <laughs> off the, uh, the, the resume, I think. Um, as much as I love Edwin Diaz and Robinson Cano, to me, would be a guy I'd vote for in the Hall of Fame if someone was stupid enough to give me the opportunity. But uh, – but yeah, Kalenic, Kalenic has the chance to be a star. Julio Rodriguez has a chance to be a superstar. Uh, and I'm not surprised to see that his card is going for more because, I mean, this is the type of offensive potential. Like, it's not hard to see him being that 40 to 50 homer guy. And Kalenic will never be that. He's a better real-life player because he's a better defender. And I think he's more likely to hit for average. But Julio Rodriguez, if we're using the 2080 scouting scale – this is not a 40 grade hitter. It's not even a 50 grade hitter. I think we're talking about 50 to 55, uh, 52 to 55, excuse me, 52 being uh, what we call solid average. Um, I think he's going to hit for just a fine average, but the power is legit. And, you know, if you're looking for that next guy who could be hitting, um, leading the league in Hobers and, you know, maybe not chasing bonds or anything like that, but there's just so much power in his bat, and he's so young and so advanced uh, for his skill sets that you know I can just see absolutely huge things for him. There's there's a lower floor because he's not a great defender, and there is some swing and miss in the game. So, but you you take the risk with the type of player like that. And then Marte, you know, that's just a solid all around player who's much helped a lot by being a shortstop. Um, if we're talking about a second baseman or a third baseman or even an outfielder, maybe we're not talking about Marseille so much, but there's a lot of things that he can do as well. He's kind of the shortstop version of Kalenic, but without the power. And, um, you know, we'll see about stolen bases. It's, it's tough with players of his age, but, you know, the Mariners have done a pretty darn good job lately with player development. It was a real weakness there for a very long time. A, an awful lot of Alex Jackson's and players of that ilk where, 
They uh, <laughs> they just they, they didn't work out. They they and then they a lot of times those players would go to another organization and do well, and they would claim it's some sort of curse. No, it's an, just they got an system. An organization yeah. like the Braves. Yeah, an organization that actually knows what they're doing. They are pretty good at developing those types of talents. Not that Alex Jackson's any type of star or anything like that, but obviously a much better player once he got into Atlanta. But yeah, those are three guys that uh, I get it. They're the I would I would I'm a little surprised he honestly told me that the Marte card was going even for that much because borderline top 100 prospect. He made my list just because of the fantasy impact. Uh, I think he is going to provide some steals, but uh, not surprised by Kalenic and Rodriguez. Those are two special. They're the they're the two best outfield prospects in the game right now. And uh, Radio Rosarina, I guess, still technically qualifies as a prospect and would be kind of close in that range. But uh, but those two guys have a chance to be awfully special, and we should see at the very least we'll see Kalenic in twenty twenty one. There is a outside chance that we see even Julio Rodriguez finish the year, and that I think would obviously do well for his card to just even get that look. So a year from now, two, three, 2022, we are going to be talking Kyle Lewis. If you still, if we still believe in him, I, I'm I'm a little hesitant on Kyle Lewis, but I I guess I just don't like investing in stri- high high strikeout rates. Um, sure, but uh, Kyle Lewis, Kalanick. And Julio Rodriguez. Yeah. Yeah. The best outfield pairing for how many years? Oh, so are you asking me uh, the best pairing for how long they'll be or best pairing in like how long? Because well, it's going to be. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Here's what I'm thinking. So every once in a while, everyone's like, wow, that's the best outfield trio uh, in baseball, a number of years ago, sure. we had Starling Marte, Andrew McCutcheon, and Gregory Polanco. Oh, yeah. That last outfield lasted for a year. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, and if if we're talking, you know, these two guys and Kyle Lewis, obviously people are going to be saying, wow, that's the best outfield in baseball. I just want to know if you think it will last for. Oh, that's a great question. That is a great question. I, I can't help but think about the fact – so it, it certainly can last. It has a chance to be a, a absolute monster outfield, but that outfield in Atlanta has a chance to be awfully good too. You have the already the bona fide star in Acuna, one of the best outfielders that I've seen, um, period. Uh, to, he's just he's a notch below Mike Trout, but that – I think he's a notch above pretty much anybody else uh, with all due respect to other names. And then you got Christian Pache, who is an absolutely elite defender um, and has some more offensive upside than they think. And you've got Drew Waters, who you, you talk about strikeouts, that's an issue, but he makes so much hard contact and he's a good defender and he can steal bases. I think those two are going to compete for that role, but I do think that both of those outfields have a chance to be debated as the best outfield for the next five to 10 years, something like that. Perfect. Perfect. Well, I cannot wait because I've been following along with Julio Rodriguez since he came out. Uh, He came out, uh, if I remember correctly, at like a hundred dollars in auto. And I was like, that is a steal and a half. I would never say that about most guys coming out of the the thing, but some about Julio Rodriguez just screamed. This guy is going to be a top talent. And I was like, listen, everybody, buy this card. It's going to be $300 by sometime next year. 
it ended up hitting $300. And then obviously we didn't have this last season. And so sure. I have no idea what it would have gone to this past season if he had been playing. Um, and he broke his wrist or something uh, in spring training. Um, but I am I am all aboard the Julio Rodriguez train. I cannot wait to see him play. I cannot wait to see Jared uh, Kalanick play, obviously because the Wisconsin connection. Uh, and I've got a, a few friends who are Mariners fans that have had just very tough times with the Mariners and then also like Pete Carroll uh, yeah. and the Seahawks uh, just deciding that they want to revert to running the ball all the time despite having Russell Wilson. So it's been a few tough years. Uh for my Mariner fans, friends, so I would love to see them have something. It'd be so, it'd be so nice. I mean, it's been twenty years. Oh, so I'm thirty-eight, and I have, or I'll turn thirty-eight in March. That's embarrassing that I just kind of forgot my age there for a second. Um, <laughs> but I have spent more of my life now uh, with the team not making the playoffs since two thousand one than before. So eighty-three to. 2001. I had a nice little run there from 95 to 2001 where the Mariners were not only great, but so fun to watch. I mean, you had Griffey, you had A-Rod, you had Edgar, who unfortunately you follow me on Twitter. You know about my infatuation with Edgar Martinez. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's, I mean, he, he's a great player, but I, I overdo it just because I just loved watching him play. And then there were a hall of very good guys like Jay Buhner and John Olerud to go along with some fun players like Kazuhiro Suzaki. But from 2002 to 2021, with the exception of Ichiro and Felix Hernandez, who unfortunately has kind of become an afterthought, which is almost insane to me when he was the best pitcher in baseball, not not that long ago. And the fact that he turns, I believe he turns 35 this year. Yeah, 86, so 35. Um, already being thought of as a, an afterthought that's probably going to have to sign another minor league deal it's been a long long time since success and i don't think they're going to be very good this year and i they're probably not very good next year but they they are definitely building so uh, taylor trammell is another guy that you know that's a super underrated prospect i will i will die i will die on the taylor trammell (laughs) he may never become uh you know anything uh, that okay. I expected him to become but i will gladly die on that hill because i thought he was going to be a star with the reds uh, especially because of the ballpark, Great American Ballpark. So easy sure. to hit in. And yeah. then he went to the Padres, and I was like, well, crap. There goes <laughs> there goes that advantage. But I was like, yeah. I still believe in him. And then he went to the Mariners, which yeah. park is not much better. But no. uh, I'm willing to die on that hill. No, you know what? It, I still am a big fan. He's a guy that, you know, I do – I try not to look at too many lists, but I, I do every once in a while. Somebody sends it to me and asks me what they think is if I'm going to – like crap on somebody else's list for some reason on Twitter. That's a really good idea. Thank you for sending me that. Um, but, you know, I do I do take a look. And um, I think Trammell is still, to me, a top 50 prospect. There is still a, so much to like. I do have a big questions about the hit tool, but he's such a smart player and he gets on base and he's a solid defensive player. Definitely going to have to play in the corner outfield because his arm is pretty weak. But wouldn't shock me at all if that was a 30-30 player at his peak. And now there's questions about where the heck he's even going to play. Um, the Mariners still have Mitch Hanniger in the outfield, too. I imagine if oh. he's healthy at all, that's uh, a guy who's going to be traded. I mean, they're loaded there. They are, in terms of talent anyway, they are absolutely loaded in the outfield. But if, if Taylor Trammell does get that chance to be an everyday player, I could see his card value just skyrocketing because – 
He's a good player. He's got a nice looking autograph too. Um, I, it's for, that matters to me anyway. Um, but uh, I think uh, I think Tramel is a guy. If you're giving up on him, or if you can buy low on Tramel, definitely a guy I'd be looking to acquire. Um, thank you for name dropping Mitch Hanniger because former Brewers prospect. Former Brewers prospect, yeah. The Brewers drafted Clint Coulter with like the 27th pick and Victor Roach with the 28th pick, and I was very excited because Clint Coulter was a powerful catcher, high school catcher, and Victor Roach was like you know like. 40 home run dream potential uh their outfielder from college I'm George, like, yes. George's, yeah georgia southern's finest and then we took mitch hanniger and i don't remember where i was at and it was a couple picks before joey gallo and i was just like this guy is nothing <laughs> like these other two guys this is lame and then he is by far and away the best player of course he wasn't doing that well when he was on the in the brewer system had to get traded to the diamondbacks first to really explode but sure. still claim to fame Brewers prospect. I will say, so uh, I wrote for ESPN High School was one of the very first paying jobs that I had. And one of the first people I interviewed was Clint Coulter and did not go well. That's just that's just all I will say about that interview. But it, it made me realize that uh, some players are awesome to talk to. I got a chance to talk to Max Fried and Luke Giolito on the same interview uh that was amazing i talked to a few other guys but that one wasn't <laughs> that one wasn't my favorite <laughs> and uh, i wish i wish clint well but i also uh if anybody else had the chance to interview him i'd be curious if they had the same experience i did i, I i'd say uh, that's a blast from the past i did not think we'd be talking about clint coulter today but, I, I was about uh, to say of names i did not expect to bring up in a podcast in 2021 clint coulter yeah, I suppose we're coming up on the time here a little bit. So I just, I want to move on. Maybe we'll, a couple more minutes here. Uh, we'll talk about your collection because you got into collecting. And I, I realized we spent more time than I was expecting on my, on our third point there, but that's okay. Uh, that's my fault. Oh, no, no. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm long-winded. Um, so you've gotten into cards and it's, it's kind of surreal for me because I'm a person who has been into cards for a while or at least been into telling my buddy who to buy for baseball prospects. And it, it's worked well for us. Sure. And, uh, and then we got into cards and we started slab stocks and um, it's really taken off and it's been, it's been very fun, uh, very uh, rewarding experience getting to do something I love every day. And, you know, part of my everyday routine is looking at Twitter and, you know, getting information from others since I don't have the means living in Wisconsin to watch a lot of these guys play um, sure. on their own. And even if I did, I'm not a scout by any means. I wouldn't know if somebody's swing is better than somebody else's or if, you know, if they are uh, staying locked and loaded, you know, whatever. Um, right. And so it wouldn't even really help if I did. So I, I am just a source that I gather other people's information and I make, judgments off of that and so you are one of the guys that i would use to gather information from um wow. via your your prospect handbooks back in the day that you'd email out uh and then also uh you know just your tweets and this and that and so it's a very surreal feeling for me to watch people i know on twitter but you know don't know me and have never talked about cards in their life all of a sudden be like post a card one day i'm like oh <laughs> What? And then post another card. I'm like, oh, at which point I had to reach out because I was like, look, uh, this is exactly what I do all day. And here's a guy I've followed forever. 
this is interesting to me. So you want to just tell us um, like how you got started in cards or what, what first piqued your interest to get back into it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So I was a big card guy as a kid. I, I think pretty much any baseball fan at some point when they were a kid were, was into cards. And um, I got, my uncle gave me a bunch of cards. In fact, I just found a few, um, they are, um, PSA would probably give them negative grades at this point, to be <laughs> honest with you there. They just weren't taken very good care of, but um, I, I, I loved them. It was so fun and I had so much fun. Like I, I know that uh, the, the un, they would probably be worth a little more money if they were unopened, but I loved putting the cards in numerical order and then putting them in those, those sleeves. I mean, that was so much fun to me. And then, have, you know, you take a look at the stats on the back as you're doing it, but that was heaven to me. Just uh, 87 tops looking at those, those ugly Whoa. wood panels. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just looking and putting those, putting them in the sleeves and seeing the cards. And I, I got it for Christmas every year. I, I always had to be pretended to be surprised when I saw the exact same box every year um, because they're, they were all shaped the exact same of, 87 to about 2002 I got that for for Christmas every year and then I started getting upper deck and I loved it and then I moved uh for the first time and unfortunately all of my cards were destroyed and Ooh. it was heartbreaking it's 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 honestly I got a little bit choked up even talking about it a little bit now it, it really it really hurt because I loved them I loved it was something I, I would lay in my bed and I would open up those those booklets and just look through the cards and it was so fun. Um, I was able to find uh, I, sh I shouldn't have said all destroyed because I was able to recover a few. I think I still have like eighty seven to ninety six of the top still. So, um, but so I kind of just kind of forgot about cards for a while because it hurt a little too much. Mm -hmm. And then this pandemic happened and I realized there was just nothing to do. And I happened to watch somebody open a card break on Twitter, and I was thinking, this is fascinating. And I just kind of realized how much I loved these cards. And then I started reading about the boom, that the 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 industry had it um, really recaptured itself. And I do think that, you know, maybe some of this is a little pandemic related, but I also think it's just about, you know, sports nostalgia is huge and I, I so I've decided to take a lot of money that I would have put into you know a, a 401k or anything like that and I've decided to really go heavy into this I, I think you've seen on my Twitter I've posted a lot of cards that you know um, I, I'm, I'm really banking on and I, it's kind of nice because I am a collector too I, I definitely and more on the collector side, actually, right now, because I just love them. I love looking at them. They bring a uh, a sense of calm to me when I'm looking at the back of a baseball card. It's the weirdest thing. I, I can't be that weird because we're talking about this right now. Yep. But uh, but yeah, it's it's absolutely uh, a joy of mine, and it's been so fun. I, I've really only started the heavy collecting over the last month or so, but uh, I've gotten some really fun stuff, and it's just. It's just really fun. We talked about earlier the American dream of uh, being able to write about something you love. Now being able to invest in something you love. All due respect to all sorts of other things you can invest in. 
I mean, sports memorabilia. And I've gotten a bunch of jerseys and some autographed mini helmets and stuff like that as well through these through these breaks. But uh, it's it's just been a blast. Yeah, the uh, what you described there is what I hear so many people uh, saying. And it's like, yeah, I collected as a kid. I did not realize that this was still a thing. And then <laughs> you got into the pandemic. There was no sports happening. And right. you kind of still want a connection to sports. And where can you find that if you're not playing video games, this or that? You can find it in the card shop. Looking That's at, true. you know, your Kesson Hero cards. Looking at your Nolan Arenado cards. Um and so it's, 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 you know, I bet a bunch of people listening to this will have had the exact same story you just had where they're like, got into it, fell out of it. And then the pandemic brought us back. And I mean, it was, it was building, it was building before the pandemic, but sure. uh, once the pandemic hit, I was like, oh boy, you know, nobody's going to have any money. They're not going to be spending it on cards. And then it went the complete opposite way. Nobody, people, people just worked from home. And when they're sitting at their computer and not wanting to do work, well, pull open up, I'll open up eBay and see if I can find a steal today on an Aaron Ashby Bowman Chromato, something like that. <laughs> That's, you know, it's amazing. It's, uh, um, it's just so fun. And I know, you know, I, I watched some of these card breaks too. And, you know, I've been watching people open like uh, Bowman draft, which, you know, it's, it's a set that, is a real bore to watch through for a lot of people because there are so many cards that you have to go through. 118 yeah. prospect autos in there, which yeah, it's, is it's, it's insane. I mean, it, and so I watch these guys open in during breaks because I have nothing better to do. And, and, you know, I bought into a few of them myself. I will admit that, but I watch these guys just flip through the base cards real quick and I, I get it because those base cards don't have the same type of value for most people. But I find myself like rewinding to see like, man, I, I get a kick out of those base cards. I used to love looking up like those middle relievers that those guys that uh, had a season, like a Mark Icorn type, type guy who has just like one unreal year looking up and then, you know, going back and studying to see, how much of that was luck or whatever. But I, I find the same thing with Bowman draft. Like you don't really know uh, sure it's a base card, but you don't really know how much that RJ Dabovich is going to be, could become more valuable than say a, um, a Justin Foscu. It's, it's not likely, but that's just, I think it's fascinating to go through and look at all those cards, but uh, that, I guess that just kind of makes me a little bit of a weirdo, but it, it's fun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, there is occasionally in those Bowman paper cards, there is some value at Wander Franco Bowman paper cards from 2019 Bowman baseball. PSA tens are going for like, I think 75 bucks, hundred bucks, somewhere oh, around there. Oh, that's insane. Um, not a Bowman Chrome, not an auto of no. paper, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's absurd. I was, uh, lucky enough or smart enough i guess i don't know i'm not trying to give myself props but i had some paper and i just held on to them and i sent them into psa because i was like whatever and sure. uh, now i'm like oh okay if they come back psa 10s it's a hundred dollar bill hundred dollar bill hundred dollar bill and so it's like <laughs> whereas before that card would have been worth absolutely nothing two years ago yeah it's, um, it's interesting real quick that, that those bowman chromes too is um i watched a few that were opening it that they wouldn't even ship the only paper they were willing to ship were uh, uh, Spencer Torkerson and Jason Dominguez. Everything else, 
they were they weren't even willing to do the shipping and i Never. i just you, you can't help but wonder we we run our own breaks at slabstock for those of you listening we run our own breaks at slabstocks.com slash shop you can get into our breaks there we run breaks tuesday through uh friday nice. and uh we uh ship every card nice. because you are going to get that where people have only shipped you know parallels hits in the past right. and so zion williamson rookies did not get shipped out well now wow. zion williamson base rookie is x amount of dollars and so it's like if they paid for the cards ship all the cards if you're being lazy wow. enough to not ship the rest of them then don't charge them the full amount that's a true that's a great point yeah um but uh let's uh let's end this off real quick because we're going I'm going a little long i'll probably get lambasted for the 40 minute mark here uh <laughs> One card, one card in particular that you are really, really high on, and I bet I can guess it before you say it. Oh boy! So uh, there's, I, I'm going to do two. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to cheat. Okay. Uh, today I got, today I got my first uh, upper deck King Griffey Junior. 1989 rookie card autographed. I am over the moon. I honestly am looking at it and think that it might be a nine. Um, so I might send that in, in. But I'm really excited about that. But I also got, um. A, a Bowman, and I just forgot the year, but it's a transcendent Vladimir Guerrero one-of-one one autographed, um, and it is just gorgeous. And I am still the biggest Vladimir Guerrero Jr. fan in the world. Whether he was – the fact he's lost weight is great, but if he would have been the size of two Prince Fielders, I still would have thought that he is <laughs> the guy that's going to provide huge offensive potential. I also think he – has so much charismatic. He's so charismatic that I think there's value in that, but I was thrilled to get those two cards. And, uh, and then one other one, it's not, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I'm making your podcast, a Tolstoy knowledge, knowledge, uh, a novel, excuse me, but I got, I did a top Sterling break and I got two cards. I got a very nice Ryan Sandberg autograph card. It's 18 out of 25. It's beautiful. But I got a Jimmy Stewart cut auto, and I mean, I t to say I was jumping for joy when I got like that the actor? card. Yeah, the actor Jimmy Stewart. Cut oh auto. man, I love Jimmy Stewart. It's a Wonderful Life oh, is one of the best movies of all time. He's so good. I mean, everybody, I, I I almost did a Jimmy Stewart impression on your podcast, and that would have ruined everything. But everybody imitates that voice. It is just so famous, and I mean, I was I've never done a break before where people were actually making me offers in the chat before, but that's what was happening with that Jimmy Stewart card. Cause I think just everybody loves him and it's such a, a unique thing. I, I wasn't expecting to be super excited about an actor autograph, but I mean, Jimmy Stewart, how cool is that? Who, who, who was ever watching Jimmy Stewart movie and not say, wow, I like that guy. Yeah, not exactly. Not too many people saying, wow, I like that guy. I hope I get a baseball card for him, maybe. But yeah. you don't know what you want sometimes. That's uh, That was really cool. But, yeah, those are those are the three. Did I did I hit the one that you thought I was going to be talking about? I thought you were going to talk about the Ken Griffey, for sure. Yeah. yeah um, that's, that's I, assume, I assume the uh, the Jimmy Stewart might stay in the collection for a little while. Yeah, that's not – I mean, if somebody, if somebody wants to uh, – wants to go nuts, great. I have found, this is a thing, and it's probably a mistake. I've posted everything. Everything I've been posting on Twitter is for sale, except for that King Griffey Jr. card. But I'm not letting, I'm not giving anybody a, a number that I want. If somebody wants to make me an offer for stuff, great. And I'm also, 
not to sell my own stuff. I apologize for doing that. I, I, I don't know if that's a no-no or not. But um, I've got yeah, no rules here. I have uh, a thing where I'm going to do 10% of everything I go will go to the charity of their choice. I just sold a card, uh, a Dylan Dingler autograph that I donated 10% of that to uh, to the, the Lansing uh, water situation and uh, another one where we did some Habitat for Humanity stuff. It's important to me to to have some of this money go into good causes. And uh, so that's part of it. But, but yeah, I, I am so terrified right now of setting any type of price right now that I'm just letting, if people want to make an offer and show me proof of what that offer should be, by all means, my DMs are open. Perfect. Well, if guys, if you are looking to get your hands on some uh, Christopher Crawford cards that he has touched himself and he personally knows <laughs> uh, a bunch of MLB players, so it's basically like you will then know a bunch of MLB players, uh, go exactly check out his Twitter. <laughs> I'm Thanks, pretty buddy. sure that's how it works. I, at one point, yeah knew met somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody who knew Kanye. So I'm like six degrees separation away from Kanye. <laughs> Perfect. So no big deal. <laughs> um, well, Christopher, thank you for the interview today. We will give you, uh, you know, a little bit here. Um, uh, a one moment to uh, just uh, tell anybody what you've got going on. Um, give a little plug for anything you've got coming up. Uh, and the floor is yours. Sure. Uh, just real quick, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Crawford underscore MILB. That might have been something that you were planning to say before or after, but, but I'll do it anyway. Uh, then we also have uh, our Roto World Draft Guide is coming out next week. It's uh, if you're a fantasy player or if you're looking for prospects uh, in the card industry of guys that you should be uh, investing in low. Uh, I'll have my top 100 prospects as well as my top 20 uh, top 21 for the 21 season. Um, really good information there. A lot of really good writers. DJ Short, Drew Silva, Ryan Boyer, uh, Matthew Polite, who is the OG of pro, pro, uh, of forecasts. He's, he's as good as it gets. Um, definitely something if, if you're looking for cards, if you're looking for uh, fantasy stuff, or if you just like baseball, it's, it's a must-get. And you can either pick that up at... Uh, Barnes and Noble or wherever you buy magazines, or you can also get that uh, online uh, through our draft guide. And we'll be the cool thing about the online stuff is we update it and we'll have a bunch of mock drafts and stuff like that. So yeah, it's really good stuff. I'm super biased, but uh, even if I wasn't, I would recommend you buy it. <laughs> and we will have a link if you're watching this video right now in the description below where you can click on that link and it will take you right there to be able to buy it uh, and uh, support uh, Chris and his work. Um, well, Christopher, thank you for joining, uh, the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Um, uh, very, uh, very fun time for me. I love talking baseball and, uh, I followed along with your career for a, a very long time. So it's surreal for me. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for jumping on here today and talking baseball with us. And I hope everyone out there learned, uh, something from Christopher today about, uh, the sport we all love and, uh, the cards we all love. It was a pleasure. I'd love to come back some other time. Perfect. All right. Thank you, Christopher. See you next time. You bet. Thank you, everyone, for listening to that interview with Christopher Crawford. I know I had a great time. I hope you guys learned a lot from that interview. If you are looking to join NBC Sports Edge, um, their website, you can go and look up NBC uh, Sports Edge on Google, and you should find the website. It's a new website. They've got a magazine coming out. 
um, that we will have a link to in the description. We'll have a link to NBC Sports Edge in the video below that you can go and you can uh, join NBC Sports Edge if you want to. If you want to support Christopher Crawford and his work, um, I would be much obliged. I'm sure he would be much obliged. It was a great interview, and I would love nothing less than for us to support him uh, in his career and in his card buying and selling. So if you want to also go follow him on Twitter, let him know what's up in the card world. And if you see something you like, you know, hit him up and be like, Hey, I like that. Or, Hey, I want to buy that. You heard him. He is uh, selling things on Twitter and he gives 10% of it to charity of your choice. If you buy something from him on Twitter. Um, so a nice little way to give back also. So thank you, Christopher, for joining the podcast today. And thank you everyone for listening to today's Dinging Corners. I hope you all had a good time and I will talk to you again next week.